Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So it's the uh, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It is the Everton edition of Rule the Roost podcast. Welcome to the show. I am your host to Trunk, and I'm joined by, as ever, Mr. Raj Baines. How are you doing, mate? I'm not so bad, love you. Yeah, I'm good. I, I managed to start the show without saying hello, boys and girls, this time as well, which is a, a welcome change, I'm sure. I'm sure you've been thinking about nothing else for the for the week leading up to it. I kind of had, like such as my neurosis. I might kind of seem like a bit of a happy-go-lucky kind of you know face value kind of simpleton, but I am actually a a, a, a startlingly neurotic individual. Um, and things like that, I do actually toil over. I, I, I will sit there and think, "Fucking hell!" I said boys and girls again this week. You know. Those of people listening to this, they're going to think I'm some. They are going to think I'm some sort of weirdo, or at least just a highly unoriginal, unoriginal, even boring, vapid man, which probably isn't that far from the truth, to be honest. So, I was going to say they'll think that regardless. Yeah, exactly. To, uh... You know, but I want to keep up the banter, Tottenham's James Corden type appeal. I don't. I don't want to be known as Tottenham's James Corden, to be honest. It's just we're we're both. Rotundly challenged, should I say? Would you rot- rotundly challenged? I think I've just invented a new word there. I'm off on my own tangent. Um, we played whole city this week. Um, thanks to them getting another red card. Well, not them. Thanks to the opposition getting another red card, we uh, we managed to sneak a victory. Um, as I didn't actually watch the game, I was at Wembley watching the the women's football. England against Germany um, I didn't see Tottenham playing Hull and I didn't really have the inclination to watch past match of the day um, how how did how did we perform in your in your book mate am I am I just being a bit cynical in, in thinking that we only managed to beat them because they were down to 10 men you've boiled it down to I think what the press have kind of clinged on to a bit more um, having watched the full 90 the first half wasn't great uh, there were, were good signs throughout I mean the the front four worked well together again although he didn't score Soldado worked tirelessly and, and did some really good things in the in the final third and uh, Ryan Mason was fantastic again um, the the way we conceded the goal was a bit cheap to be honest um, we shouldn't have allowed Hull as much time on the edge of the box Ben Davies made a bit of a a half challenge, he, he kind of put as much of his body in the way as he could, but the shot still managed to get past him, he was he was quick enough getting out to block it, but it was it was one of those where if he'd, uh, 
if he'd have thrown himself completely into it, he would have, he would have probably uh, blocked it. But he turned his back kind of to it, and Jake Livermore ended up scoring, who genuinely looked quite hurt and very apologetic that he'd scored against Tottenham, which kind of shows you how big a fan he, he, he remains of the club. I think I think he, you can actually tell that he's got a, a connection to us because he, you know, when when the people do that sort of cynical. Um, no celebration against their old team type of thing. He he genuinely did look quite. Cool. It, it did look like he was, he was quite torn that he'd scored against us, which was. Uh, I'm not. It's not pleasing to see, but I think it was something that you'd understand. I mean, I've I've often said that if I were a professional footballer and I did, and I had to play against Tottenham, I'm not entirely sure whether or not I'd be able to put my my all in. I'm not sure if my priorities would be entirely professional. But um, I still I think, think I, I do think there must be that that little bit. Um, I mean, I, I don't really. I, I quite I quite like when players you know do like what Jake Livermore did. You know, it, it, it's quite nice to see that he doesn't celebrate against us. But at the same time, I'm not going to put him in the stocks where he to have done, especially like Michael Dawson. If Michael Dawson had have celebrated, knowing some of the shit I've heard people shout at him at games and so on and so forth after what he's given to the club I'd have probably applauded him if he'd scored a winner and celebrated against us I know that won't be too like popular amongst a lot of people but I think like the sort of abuse Dawson got in particular just for not being world class was pretty sickening at times and showed a really really ugly side to our support Um, but uh, I, I know exactly what you're saying in that I think that you know some of these players have a real kind of actual genuine allegiance to their respective former clubs you you can't help but think they're only human there must be that little bit I mean I mean you saw Welbeck had a couple of chances against United and I, I don't know it's it's it just seemed like there was there was one in particular where he had his back to goal and he did that little the the back heel instead of just kind of turning and having a snapshot it all just felt a little bit kind of Half fast, like he almost didn't didn't want to score against United. I don't know, but I know what you're saying. Sorry, I just jumped in there, but I thought I'd add that. No, it's fine. Um, in the second half, we'd improved quite a lot. Um, there was much more purpose to our play. Hull were very much on the back foot from almost the the get go on that. Um, the record will have helped, of course, uh, to some degree. Although there is that cliche that it's harder playing against ten than it is against eleven, especially when they're defending lead. But I don't think it affected the game too much. I don't think that was the turning point. I think we were actually the better side after half time anyway, and we looked like we were capable of doing something. Um, the, the red card itself, Vertonghen's coming for quite a bit of stick, and there's some people it's on Twitter as well. Fast that as well that he has done. Um, there are people on Twitter as well, Tottenham fans, that were saying that he'd, he'd play acted and whatnot, but I, I, I don't buy into that whatsoever. As I mean, he fought, as he fought, not when you look at some of the other kind of like James Tomkinson, is it who held his face after just getting a little Tomkins? Yeah, that's the one. And you've actually got that that quite iconic picture now of Stephen Naismith pointing and laughing at him after he's done it. It just shows you all that you need. Um, to know about yeah, that. I mean, I mean uh, there's not much Vertonghen could have done. I think he, he looked at him when he like he, he half stepped over him, and then uh, because like Ramirez's head had gone at that point, and he's kind of seen him over him. He's 
You know, like in the wrestling, when uh, they do that, like the the leg wrapping type of thing, it was almost <laughs> like that he did around the back of his leg. And if you catch someone in the right place in the back of the leg, they're going to fold. And Vertonghen didn't really do anything. He went down because I think that was the natural reaction to go down. His arms flailed slightly, um, but you know it wasn't as if he rolled around on the floor. There was match of the day and match of the day two acted as if he'd you know done a proper three rolls on the floor, clutching his leg and begging for a red card. But literally, the, the entire incident was him being knocked down, getting going to his knees, a little bit of an arm flare, and then he stood back up. There was no retaliation from him. He didn't look for anything after the incident. And no, it was he didn't go flagging the ref. He didn't go flagging the lino, nothing like that. It's no, it was the, the, um, the, the linesman made up his decision all of his, yeah. his, his own accord, really. It was, he had nothing to do. If, if anything, he, he actually conducted himself quite professionally and the fact that he's been almost held up as like the the, the face of this diving that had, that had gone on this weekend is quite quite strange for me considering but, uh, Ross Barkley had an absolutely farcical dive um, that hasn't been really highlighted at all by anyone but the fans of no, the, the, various clubs yeah, yeah. yeah there's several there's several incidents that happened that were much worse than what Vertonghen did which I, I think was an entire non-incident to be honest I don't think there was anything in it whatsoever um, but leading on from that we we performed much better I mean Harry Kane got on the score sheet again after Christian Eriksen hit the post with a, a free kick and you know it's the same type of goals where he's just in the right place at the right time that are, are sort of making people wish he was playing a bit more and the fact that he's 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 turning those appearances into goals is, is only going to help his cause there's a few chances uh, before Ericsson scored his second that we, we probably should have done better with um, Hull had a chance at, at 1-0 as well that uh, I think they should have put away Ben Arthur when they had a I think Lloris made a, a save but he knocked it back into the path of the box after yeah, making a fat M he put it right over the bar didn't he yeah, it was, a, it was an awful shot. We, sh- we should have been 2-0 down. I think it would have been much harder for us to come back had Hull gone 2-0 up. I think it would have been a case of us not being able to turn that one around. But because we weathered the storm and managed to you know, make the best of our luck to some degree, we, we did much better. And I can't really... In the, the the Villa win felt a bit like a robbery, to be honest. Cause yeah. the, both the goals came late. Uh, the red card was... We did have some part to play in that. There was some some aggro from both sides with Ryan Mason giving it some. He was provoked, Benteke. So it felt a bit more of a mugging there. But with Hull, it was almost as if they'd, they'd almost done a Tottenham. They were their own worst enemies and they, they cost themselves that game. And we, we, we just took advantage of that and we played much better in the second half. Uh, Pochettino's substitutions all worked very well as well. He, he His affecting of the game was very, very good. And it's something that we've said previous times um, earlier on in the season that his substitutions have actually been quite good and yeah. have been affecting the game quite well. So that's pleasing to see again. One, I mean, one, one thing I wanted to ask you, mate, obviously he scored a, a, a very nice goal um, to, well, the winner itself. But I, I understand just from seeing people talking about it on Twitter that Ericsson occupied a slightly deeper role in this game and it looked as though he was actually you know all the better for it um can you sort of take us through what it was he was actually doing where he was operating as opposed to where he normally would i think he started in his his sort of usual position as part of a part of a front four and 
more centrally. Um, but once Dembele had got substituted, he started to drift further backwards and pick the ball up from a deeper position. It was much like um, how he played against Arsenal away, which... If you remember when we discussed that game, it was one that most people had, had said that he'd had a really bad game in, and it was one that I was—I think I was one of the only people that said that he was—he was fantastic on that occasion because he was taken off just after we scored our goal. Um, his starting position, when it's much deeper, he picks up the ball and he dictates a little bit more. But because he's got—he's not actually—he doesn't appear to be quite a quick player, but because he's got such fast feet, he's able to beat a man when he's when he's one-on-one with him, and he's not sluggish, I mean, he's not slow either, but he's got that that one-on-one skill and that, that ball retention that just helps him go past people, which is a great skill to have when you're running from deep, and he picks a pass and he's, he gets involved a bit more, and just having that ability to be a bit freer when he's in possession just helped him, um, so it was, it was pleasing to see that he can do both roles, um, I mean, it was something something that I flagged in in an article I wrote last week about after we'd lost to to Stoke, the the things we needed to change within the side. I think all of them were pretty much done. Soldado started, Kane started, but he didn't start up front. He started deeper. Uh, Kabul and Fazio weren't started together, which was a, a great help, and um, that they all fed into our victory. So it was all the changes that sort of needed to be made were. And it was also good to see the likes of Kirikesh coming back after, you know, most people had written him off and said he was terrible and then he, he, you know, has to come in to play right back because Dyer's having a bit of an iffy one and he's been yellow carded so you don't want him to be sent off, which looked like it could have happened at some points. So the fact that he's performed well again and, and sort of worked well with Lamella and Lennon down the right-hand side was... It's quite pleasing to see, to be honest. I was, uh, I was pleasantly supli- surprised by by how all the how all, how well all the changes went. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the games. I mean, if it's those little signs that it's starting to think it's starting to sink in, and things are starting to translate on the field that are more pleasing than the result. To be honest, I mean, it's something I've I've backed on about enough about how performances are just about as important as the results this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to say as well, I'd noted that quite a few people were, were dogging on, on Lamella after this game. Um, they were what? Like, dogging on him? Yeah, you know, just like... That's not a, that's not a term. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's not. Times, mate. Can't. Dog, dogging's what you do in parks in the middle of um, the night. It's not what you do to other people, giving them criticism. Well, it is, but never mind. Um... They, uh, they, yeah, they were having this sort of go at him, um, given that you know, he's whatever not scoring goals and he's not Gareth Bale at the moment, which seems to be the only sort of angle of criticism I can I can see of him at the moment because I just think we look an infinitely better side every time he's playing for us. I think he he seems to be one of the few players in the team that actually has still that spark of unpredictability about him that has a bit of guile, has a bit of invention. Um, and, yeah, he's still getting to grips with the league. People can use that as a stick to beat him with. But, again, he's a young man. He's, it is still essentially his first season playing for us. Um, and he's not going to adjust to it straight away. As Again, I'm not saying he's going to hit these heights, but as we saw with the likes of Gareth Bale, as we've seen with Cristiano Ronaldo in the past, you know, it takes some time for these young, kind of dynamic players that operate in this kind of position 
that time to sink in and to really kind of cultivate their their wide skill set I would say into becoming like this this sort of sharpened point where they can actually become brutally effective and that's where Pochettino's gonna have to earn his salt um, in getting the best out of Lamella but I, I just I don't understand this logic that oh, it, it's failed the, the Lamella project's failed get rid of him because for what? You know, I, th- I think the lad's a, a very, very good player, and I think he's he's showing that he's a very good player. Um, and it seems that he 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 does worry defenders. I think obviously you can criticise him. You can criticise the fact he probably dwells in possession quite a bit. Um, that he, you know that that would probably be indicative of the fact he's still not fully at at ease with the pace, uh, or at least the physicality of the game in England. Um, but you know he's bulking up. He's making an effort to bulk up. He looks stronger on the ball with each passing game. I think, and I just think his confidence is growing. He's looking more assured. Um, obviously, again, I can't say it based on this whole game. As I said, I didn't watch the whole fixture. Um, but I, I just don't understand why people would want to get rid of a player like Eric Lamella. I, it doesn't doesn't make sense to me. He can be quite frustrating to watch, I can understand that because he does try an awful lot Um, and although that can be viewed as a positive, the fact that he's still willing to try and still willing to better himself, the fact that he trials and tries and and does often fail to pull off some of the things he does is, he has a tendency to delay a pass when you can see it like emerging before him, a, a through ball or somebody in space and he just doesn't give it in time and by the time he does, defenders have had time to set themselves and we've not taken advantage of the situation as we could have done or he's making a break and he's running at somebody and he takes one or two too many touches before he takes a shot and as you say, these are things that he's going to have to learn it's going to be, as he plays more in the country, as he plays more in the team as he plays more as a professional footballer because you, you can't forget his age as well He's going to take a bit of time and the more he does that and the more he learns his own game and progresses as a player, they're going to get a bit better. Um, he's, you know, He is a very much a rough diamond at present. He does have occasional moments where you see his class. I think the reason you, you shouldn't take him out of the side, as you alluded to, is that he's, he's going to learn the most by playing and doing it on the job. And... He's not gonna. He's not gonna get the intricacies in his game if he's if he's not allowed to do that. Yeah, more learning, less dogging for uh, for Lamella. Um, so we are playing Everton this week. Um, it's obviously it's it's one of our our favourite fixtures because it means we get to welcome back Borley and Sai um, to the show. Two firm favourites of both myself and Raj. And of you listeners, if the feedback's anything to go by. So, without further ado, here's Borley and Si. Alright lads, welcome welcome back to the show, Simon, Barley, Seb. Thanks for being back on, how, how have you been? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, yeah. yeah, fucking amazing called us back. <laughs> <laughs> You've actually caught us on a day full of stories, so it's a good day. Uh, well, when we were tweeting before, and um, Barley said he'd been to have his blood taken out, and then you referenced a, a man in a pub from Lidl, yeah. and I'm just wondering what that's about. Oh, mate. <laughs> well, every every scout comedian in the 1970s finished a joke with the line, only popped out for a loaf, um, except that's how we end this story, but it's actually true. 
what happened is Shai, Shai um, passed his driving test today, so there's a bit of good news. And um, he popped over to mine and said, come on, do you want to go for a drive? So I said, well, I've got to go and do a bit of shopping. So we went and done a bit of shopping. Great football podcast this, by the way, boys. <laughs> so <laughs> keep up the good work. So anyway, we go to town, Liverpool City Centre, and uh, looking for a little bit of parking space for Shai. And then we thought, oh, we'll pop into Lidl because we're here. So we're in Lidl, and me and our kids walk around most shops taking the piss out of people anyway. But uh, I'm standing looking at the washing detergent, you know, because I'm not rock and roll, I wash clothes. And uh, as I'm standing there, some old guy touching 60 easy, about a foot shorter than me, comes up and goes, excuse me, lad, uh, do you know me? I went, looked at him and went... No, I don't think I do, mate. Sorry. And he went, good, keep it like that. Don't fucking look at me. <laughs> and carries on walking. I turned to Shai and just went, what the fucking hell is this? <laughs> now, this happens to me on a regular occasion. It's your, your connections to the uh, Liverpool underworld, isn't it? I don't have connections. <laughs> well, he's best mates with Stephen Gerrard, so that's the connection. <laughs> I've seven all them connections, lads. They're all buried on the beach in Formby. <laughs> I was going to say uh, um, you, this podcast usually goes that that was, that was terrific <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say though when you said you were going to go shopping in Liverpool City Centre and say I was going to find parking don't one of you just wait in the car outside while the other go in grab the stuff no we don't we don't, uh, we don't do shit like that no more mate we don't have to mask up or fuck all people just <laughs> I've only just passed my test I'm not that good a getaway driver yet <laughs> I thought it was one of those skills you were born with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course it is. I'm fucking having on the robin shit already. Jesus Christ. Oh, now it's like West Ham all over again. <laughs> Don't not, be as fast as that gang of melts. <laughs> well, we could we could have a, a word about West Ham, to be honest. They're a, a strange old bunch, really to be fair to them. There was a 55-year-old man with clear liver problems, wearing a black and grey shell suit at Goodison Park last weekend. Oh. He gives wow. London a bad I name, you know. Young. Do you remember, what was he? Do you remember that guy that the, the Liverpool-West Ham game at Upton Park early in the season? You see the haircut on that Liverpool supporter? Oh, that's Scouse uh, Robert. Scouse Robert Plant. No, he wears Scouse, you know. Well, he's no, a Liverpool fan, of course he wasn't Scouse. <laughs> I reckon, I reckon he was from the Whittle. We only live round the corner from Upton Park. <laughs> is the Whittle not part of Liverpool? No, is it? Fuck, don't be doing that. It's, it's Liverpool West. It's Liverpool, is this, Liverpool left back. <laughs> Liverpool have, I, West. have I touched on some sort of turf, or is this when people ask me, is Bradford part of Leeds? <laughs> I, I get very yeah, annoyed. It's very similar to that, mate. The, uh, the Widows of Peninsula are just off the outskirts of Wales. It's, <laughs> it's the same as that, as in the Wirral is the posh part of Liverpool, like Bradford is the posh part of Leeds. <laughs> if, if you've ever been to the two places, you'd never have never have thought to say that sort of thing. <laughs> it, yeah, it's I, true I, of I, that I, as well. As you know, I know um, those two places very well. You're fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if... Um, 
If we pretend that we want to talk about football for, for just a mm, moment, yeah. um, how have you two enjoyed the season so far? Because at the start of the year, Everton seemed to be getting turned over quite regularly and quite handsomely, um, yeah. fairly often. And you seem to have picked it up um, a bit more now. Is um, is it going a bit better now? Are you you're happier? Happier with results. I think um, enjoyed is probably the wrong word. Maybe endured is probably the, the better word for this season. And the sad thing is, as we start getting better results, we start picking up more and more injuries. So it looks like we're only going to go one way with results, really. So, you know, we we may well have had our, our Indian summer and gotten over the 6-3 defeat. And we started to beat teams again. But the likes of Stephen Naismith, Leighton Baines, uh, Stephen Pienaar, uh, John Stones, all being out, they're, they're huge misses for the team. And you just think... Christmas is going to be a really bad period if we if we keep picking up knocks like that. How long is um how long's Naismith gone for? Uh, it's difficult to say. Really. I'm not sure if there's actually been any update. But when he w- he was carried off on a stretcher on Saturday, and, you know, because he's, he's been he's, absolutely brilliant. He's been um like from what when he arrived, I remember thinking he's just he's one of those sort of generic squad players that used to arrive during David Moyes's um. During David Moyes' time, when you, he's like a sort of like a like a uh, this decade's James McFadden. I like just turns up, you see him every now. Oh no! Fucking hell, Seb! I tell you what, as he comes on and goes straight to the fucking bones, on it, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Can we have Jack back, please? I, I heard that out loud after I said it. I was just, <laughs> what, oh, but before you saw him playing, before you saw what what kind of what an intelligent player he was. That's kind of the impression. But he's just been he's absolutely brilliant every time I've seen him. Um, to be fair, to be fair, even the first year that we saw him play, the impression was that he was he was this, the, the 2010s um, James McFadden. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Under, under Roberto Martinez, he's blossomed. Into, yeah, he's he's literally gone from zero to hero. He was getting booed onto the pitch. And he was, uh, wasn't he? He was, fu- it was fucking, it was horrible. You go to Goodson, and the second you hear his name mentioned, you hear a, a rumble of discontent right around the park. And it was fucking horrible. Because I liked yeah. him, you know what I mean? I liked him anyway, because he worked hard. And me and Sai went to um, QPR, was QPR. Yeah. And, and I was pointing out the intelligence of at that game, saying, look at his space. He's always in fucking five, ten yards. And he's always in that space. And if you watch him, he's he, he never seems to be marked. If you get what I mean, okay. he's sort of left yeah, alone. Exactly. And we, from there not, on in, come on, come on, sorry, sorry, man. No, it's like cutting off. I was just going to say, it's just, he's like, um, sorry to use this phrase, um, and edits out if you want, Raj. But he's like the most unlikely false nine ever. Sorry if you. I heard that again. I know, I know, I know. It's a Brendan Rodgersism. I know it is. I know, but it's 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 one of those like you you see him play and and you see um you see how he uses the ball and how he moves. Is that that point about him never seeming to be marked is 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 spot on because the way he moves around and like kind of like that final third is just it's so impressive. Um, and you you look at the player, you look at what he is as a sort of as an athlete, as a footballer, as a like an individual. You look at his individual attributes. You think it just seems really implausible that he would ever be that effective, but he is. Yeah, he is. Really, really, really impressive. And he never misses it, either. Yeah, no, fair he's gone never from f- being. He's being. He's gone from being this generation's James McFadden to this generation's <laughs> Tim Cahill. 
yeah, yeah. That, that um that that goal he scored against um against I think it was Lille that you played at Goodison in the last um Europa League that touch and hit into the top corner yeah. just yeah. hit that was that was a Cahill goal in a way yeah. it was kind of that that movement and that sort of that reaction it was uh it was oh, great. Fantastic. Well, he's gone from, I mean, in, in estimation, he's gone to be a better player than Cahill. He, he's got more football he's intelligence. Yeah, he's a more all-round player than Cahill, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, he's, um, he's got more intelligence. He, he, he gets them runs into the box like Cahill, to, mm-hmm. to use Cahill as the uh, example. He, he gets more runs into the box. I mean, he's he, much more likeable than Tim Cahill, though. No, don't be at that bad. We love Tim. Well, now, see, Stephen Naismith can pass a football, which, which Tim Cahill could never do. And he can tackle, which Tim Cahill could never do. Um, yeah. And he plays for a British nation, which Tim Cahill could never do. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not bring anything like that into it, lads. I mean, Everton have got a bad enough history as it is with that sort of thing. I mean, it was only until about last week that Black Players started playing for you, wasn't it? I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. If we look back to our greatest ever player, William Ralph Dean, um, he was, I think it was a Spurs fan that he punched in the face for calling him the N word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all all, all of us have got, all of got uh, idiots. I mean, <laughs> you've, you've actually got quite a lot of decent players now um, who aren't white. I mean, if we look at Lukaku and Eto, especially, they're the two signings. Is Sam, no, it's, you use his real name, but it's Samuel fucking Eto. <laughs> his full name. How, yeah, how have they both been doing? Because, I mean, I remember when Samuel Eto was one of the best strikers in the world. I mean, I, I don't think I'd ever think he was going to end up at Everton. How's he been since he's, since he's ended up there? I'll be honest, mate, you're not the only one. I never thought in my fucking life I'd see Everton Samuel Leto or Samuel Leto wearing Everton shirt and parading around Cuddleston Park. Um, he's been a revelation. Yeah, he's been uh, great. He is, he, as you say, Sammy, he's been great. He's, he's just, he's one of those players, as soon as he gets on the ball, no matter how many players around him, he seems to have like an extra five minutes. It's, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's absolutely. fucking, it's unbelievable. But he he gets hold of the ball, he gets three people coming to him, and he just doesn't look harsh at all. He's always smiling. The fans love him. He's he's always playing up to the crowds. He's he's fucking boss. He's just oozes class, mate. What about he really does. What about Lukaku then? Because I mean, last last couple of times we've spoken, I've picked on you for the fact that Bill Bill Kenwright doesn't seem to have two pennies to his name, and all of a sudden. <laughs> He seems to have reached down the back of his sofa and pulled out thirty million pounds for this player. Is he? Is he? Does he look worth the money to you? Like, does he? This season, oh. no. Oh, let's say answer that. Yeah, this season, no, he doesn't. But the, like you said, we've bought him now. He's our player. Two or three years down the line, when he's still only twenty three, twenty four years old, he's going to be an absolute beast of a centre forward. And he'll still be our player, and he'll look well worth the thirty million. Yeah. And that was the price that we needed to to spend to make him our player at that point. Because if he'd gone elsewhere, then the price would probably go up for him in two or three years, and he wouldn't want to come here. That Everton wouldn't be the next step on his on his ladder in two or three years' time. So we'd never have had him then. Do you think Everton is just so, a step then? Do you think you've you've bought him yeah. for thirty million, knowing that you're going to be able to sell him for forty, fifty in a couple of years' time? Yeah. Undoubtedly, yeah, absolutely. Undoubtedly, when he likes to, uh... unless unless we Sorry, win mate. the league twice in a row, 
<laughs> I can't see that happening if I'm being honest with you. Thing is, with Lukaku. Sorry, sorry Seb, say again. No, mate, I'll keep cutting you off. Go, go, go ahead, mate. Go on. Sorry. Um, thing is, with Lukaku, we've we've got a player there that's got a fuckloads of potential. He's now got the likes of Samuel Leto as his mentor. You know what I mean? So we can only improve. And you can see his movement starting to improve already, just with Eto on the same pitch as him. If Eto was on the same pitch as him, Lukaku plays better. If Barkley's on the same pitch as Lukaku, or Lukaku, as I like to call them, um, <laughs> he, he plays better. But he is, he's like, I've said that to Shai a few times, he's like a second season Yakubu. <laughs> he, um, when he learns to, when, 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 because Lukaku, Lukaku's got so much which is good about his game. He's a really good finish, and obviously he's got all the, the physical stuff that goes with being someone of his size. But when he learns to, when he learns to be a footballer outside of the box, or when he can receive a pass, and we can do, because at the moment he, he's only really effective outside the box when he's running to big oceans of space, or when he's making really simple passes. If you, if you play him with Ate for long enough and you, if he learns how to actually use the ball in a slightly more imaginative way and, and, and receive the ball accurately and neatly and reliably in games when he doesn't have any space, when, you, when, when that all comes together, you'll make a huge profit on him. Yeah. Huge. Like, it's just, it, it just, yeah, once that naivety goes, he, um, yeah, at the moment there's still that sort of that slight, I would still play Naismith ahead of him and Etu ahead of him because he's just too... Against good opponents, he's he's just too unreliable on the ball. But when 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 he's a complete player, which he inevitably will be, yeah. uh, that is uh, that's thirty million well spent. Uh, really, absolutely. Up, if he ends up with Naismith's way, if he ends up with Naismith's way, and uh, like uh, Etto's intelligence, then he'll be a fucking hell of a player. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, it's a terrifying player. Talk about somebody at the other end of his career. How is Tony Hibbert still at Everton? Because <laughs> every season he seems to prop up and play this odd game, and I don't understand how he's still playing. Because he's Tony fucking Hibbert, mate. <laughs> 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 it's because he's Tony Hibbert. Like, Hibbert is one of the, if not the most underrated right back I've ever seen in my life. I don't want him going forward. I don't want him past the halfway line, if I'm fucking totally honest. I want him right back, killing people in tackles, winning the ball, playing it off five yards. I don't want him running into the box and winning penalties like he did the other week. <laughs> 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 I don't I want that. Well, from, from, uh, to, to sort of paraphrase Roberto Martinez and maybe mimic him a little <laughs> bit, um, Tony shows a phenomenal strength of character and uh, an incredible footballing arrogance that comes with being part of the squad for such a long time that his work ethic and his Evertonianism can rub off on newcomers into the squad, young players coming through. Um, and I hope you're realising that I'm taking the piss out of Martinez by now. But, <laughs> that, <laughs> but that, that is a Rogersism you've just come up with there, mate. That's no, Martinez, that's Phenomenal character and incredible oh, yeah. footballing arrogance, uh, Martinez's. Footballing uh, arrogance. You can you can hear Rogers saying that about uh, some, like <laughs> someone's shit, like Jordan. Jordan Henderson. Or <laughs> <laughs> Compass. That's that's a territory you went into there a little bit. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I feel a bit bad on here, Bob, because I interviewed him uh, at the end of last year, 
and he's just, he's sound and everything. He's dead into his fishing and stuff. And him and Leon Osman, two lads who basically came through exactly the same time, played in the youth team together, and nearly twenty years on, they're still at the club. And I think you know clubs clubs need players like that in and around yeah. the squad. Um, Liverpool have got Steven Gerrard who just disrupts everything um, <laughs> because he has to play every week. But Tony Ebert isn't going in and demanding to play every week. Leon Osman isn't going in and demanding to play every week. They just they're just happy to be at the club, yeah. having an impact on things again. You never hear a word from those players, like because they they spend long periods. Well, Hibbert spends long periods time outside of outside of the team, obviously. And um, yeah, you never hear anything. You know, there's never any moaning. There's, I know they're not hugely high profile players, but. You know, there's plenty of others around. That's because I reckon they're both they're that. both at training, just giggling at each other, going, "If we <laughs> if we stay quiet, they'll keep paying us and keep letting us stay here. They won't realise we're actually here anymore." <laughs> no, what, you know what? So they are so loved at the club, though, aren't they? They are, and you know, three or four years ago, Tony Hibbert was statistically the best right back in the Premier League. It tells you that sometimes people don't use statistics properly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I always feel sorry for Leon Osman when I see him as well because he looks so old. He looks like he's had a he looks like he's had a paper round in Baghdad the way he's aged. Hey, he looks he's looked the same for ten years, Raj. No, he he's looked exactly the same. He, like, he's like um, he's like Mikel Arteta. Like his hair <laughs> never grows and his face never changes, and that's he looks that's exactly. That's that's <laughs> made out of Lego, Seb. That's why <laughs> he's like a Fisher Price man. Yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> Is uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> he's made out of Lego. He's got Lego in everything. <laughs> Mate, so I, interview, I interviewed Ozzy the other week. I interviewed Ozzy a couple of months ago, and he's fucking. He's tiny. Is he? He's he is. He I, he's tiny. I say he's tiny. He's tiny to me. Little known fact about Leon Osman as well: one of his legs is longer than the other. <laughs> And this man earns a, earns, a, earns a living out of playing professional Premier League football, and he's got one leg longer than the Who's other. the guy? <laughs> I think there's a guy out of uh, the band Weezer who had that, but he had it like, it weren't even like one or two inches, it was like a decent amount that he like walked with a hobble. <laughs> and he had to like right. have his leg broken in like several different places so that they could shorten it. Sounds like a proper ailment, <laughs> it's not something to be joked about if it's properly broken. <laughs> Was it, uh, Ozzy just has an extra bit of plastic on the bottom of his boots. <laughs> he hasn't had to have his leg broken on it then. Um, but, uh, There's one boot that I hear. You two always, like, you, you, always, <laughs> you two always mention how you've, you've spoken to the manager or you've been given access to one of the players. I mean, as Tottenham fans, that's something that we could imagine. never imagine happening. I mean, we everything at Tottenham's kept under such lock and key. Everything's so secretive. There's no real community aspect to the club at all, really. We have to go through... It's such a pain in the ass even to like speak to the ticket office or anything like that. It doesn't feel you feel like a customer. You feel like an outsider. I mean, if, yeah, if you very, if you look at much. the way we like speak to the club online or things like that, the, the disenfranchisement, uh, disenfranchisement. How, how do you say that word? Disenfranchisement. That's the word. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and you know the, the feeling towards a club. It's just so bad. There's so much negativity and so much disconnect there. Are Everton just really good at that? Do they make you feel like fans? Do they make you feel like you're worth something? Do you know, 18 months ago, I wouldn't have ever dreamed of getting an interview with uh, Roberto Matto, the Dave Moyes, the manager at the time. Um, it just wouldn't have happened. 
Why? Which is true. What's what's yeah, changed? What's well, yeah, what's changed between now and then? <laughs> the regime at management level, from a from a playing staff point of view, David Moyes controlled everything from the ground up. Um, I. You know, NSL has been running nearly 11 years now. I remember, I think we were in our second or third year and got called into the, the, the press office <clears throat> because it was Victor Nanichby's debut against Chelsea and we got the team news on the Thursday night because a certain former player used to text us and tell us. Um, Who's that? I couldn't possibly say because he might beat me up. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... We got the news, we put it out on the website, we withdrew it quite quickly because we realised we were putting out the team news, got called into the office and we were basically told, the manager wants to know who's giving you your information because he wants them sacked. Wow. Um, I, mean, I, I, was, I was amazed that David Moyes knew we existed, to be honest, but you know, you'd know, you see him out in public at, at sportsman's dinners and he'd always like say hello because he had to, um, but never, you know, Matt and remembers people's names that he's met once six months ago the press office changed at the same time as Martinez came coming in and then um, basically Alan Myers from Sky came back to Everton after leaving to go to Sky and his job at Everton before that was setting up the press office and he came back in to, to shake it up basically because we had a we had a director of communications who would swear at fans in emails and call fans names in emails um who then went a lot well, of these was, emails were leaked to the press were they fans, Alan, sort of, Alan, were they fans just asking information or were they having a having a go at the club was it like a, a justified like trolling session um uh, I, I i emailed him it's one never night. justified obviously because it's just that's yeah way to behave but I mean, is there was there an antagonistic thing going on there, or is it just him being a? Him it was, it, it was him being an ass, basically. Yeah. Um, I had a number of run-ins with him privately, um, and there was a, there was a few emails where he basically said, "Fuck off! I'm watching the Chelsea game." Okay. <laughs> um, I was asking him questions about Everton. Is this the bloke uh, that accosted Bali in Little Early? Is this? <laughs> 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 no, no, because no, if that was him, he'd have got a fucking write up. <laughs> the, the bloke that called Bali and Little wasn't wearing high heels and a dress. <laughs> and I haven't named him, so it's alright, I can talk like that. And there was that one, uh, uh, there was a, the director of communications at Liverpool as well, who there was that parody blogger, weren't there, who kept on guessing uh, their transfers uh, and he, tra- yeah. he tracked him down. And like, yeah, yeah. Into, didn't he post like yeah. shit through his letterbox, like actual it's, shit? He did all kinds. There was there's a dossier on certain what they called high profile Liverpool fans, and uh, Peter Hooten out the farm is one of them. And it's basically a dossier of their activities and whether they're a threat to the operations of the club. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. basically, what what's happened at Everton is Roberto Martinez has came in. The director of communications has changed and changed again since then. But although the work's carried on being just as good. Martinez is scaring people at Goodison Park because he'll say hello to staff that work in the box office or in the canteen and they don't know what to do because David Moyes would walk past and not even know they were there. He's going to do really you know, well in Spain then when he can't even speak the language. Well, exactly. Well, he doesn't need to <laughs> if he doesn't speak to people, does he? There was that um, footage is of it... him the other day when, he's, when he had his first game in Spain um, shouting Stefano at someone and they've not got anyone oh, yeah. to call Stefano in their squad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've no idea who he's trying to get. Um, 
Yeah, was he trying to order a drink from the bar? I don't know, but there's like, uh, <coughs> there's, I think they've got Esteban Granero, who's the only one that sounds anything like Stefano, but even, he's, he's just going to be looking over at him, going, what's going on here? He almost got in a touchline scrap as well, did you notice that? I saw that. No, I didn't see that, no. He, um, like, you know in like England when there's like a, a break going on, someone gets a, a bit of a free kick, the ball comes towards the touchline, sometimes the manager will just give it a quick nudge back onto the pitch. Apparently that's yeah. frowned upon in Spain, so when uh, Moyes just kicked the ball back to his players, the uh, fitness coach of the other side lost his absolute plot with him <laughs> and just started hurling abuse at him in Spanish. David Moyes, not knowing the language, just kind of gave him a bit of a calm down, like hands by his side, just like, you know, calm down, dear. Just like, a, you know, pipe down love type of thing. <laughs> he didn't take too kindly to that either. And uh, he got asked about it afterwards, like, oh, w- what went on there? I mean, it's not great that you've got into an argument your first one. He goes, I've no idea what went on. I'm still still perplexed as to why he got angry. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if this is a da- if this is a or not, but apparently David Moyes was asked if he'd learned any Spanish, and he said, yeah, I've learned the word for gaffer is bastardo. Didn't he say that, um, like, he was asked about learning Spanish, and he was like, yeah, but, you know, all the uh, all, all my Spanish players are learning English, and he was like, yeah, it should almost be the other way around, shouldn't it? Like, yeah, almost. You're in someone else's <laughs> country, in someone else's league, you might want to learn their language rather than just, it's so British, though. Just I'll be, be like, honest. That, I'll be honest. That shows the level of arrogance the man had. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and still has obviously. It's it's a weird one because I remember I I wrote an article when um when Redknapp left Tottenham and there were rumours like brief rumours that Moyes was coming down to White Hart Lane. Mm-hmm. I wrote an article saying basically why well, that was a, a not a, not something that you'd really want as a Tottenham fan. I did one of those too. Uh, that's how I passionately I felt oh, like Moyes not coming. <laughs> My point was that I, I, I remember getting absolutely savage by, for, by Everton fans for doing that. And, um, and when he left, I had, no, I, I had no idea how much ill will there was towards him. Because, I, I mean, I, I get what happens. Someone leaves the club, you, you trash them. So that's, that's, that's what being a fan is like. Um, but it's, it's, was that always there, that resentment? Because it never, it never came across to people from the outside. The, for, the, for the last few years, it was, wasn't it? Was, really? I think... I think from a minority for the last few years, I mean, myself, the FA Cup semi-final in 2012 was when I lost it with him and just completely wanted him gone from that minute onwards. Was that Um, a semi-final? The Liverpool semi-final, yeah. The worst Liverpool team in living memory and we get beat by them at Wembley after going 1-0 up. Completely lost my shit with him. And I was sat in complimentary tickets that my mate got from FIFA, 12 rows behind David Moyes. um, And made it quite obvious that I'd lost my shit with him and he actually turned around made very brief eye contact and turned around again to look at the pitch um, but basically I think the majority the vast majority I'd say 99% loved him even up until the minute he left mm. um, the send off that we gave him in the last home game of the season you know he had the whole stadium stay behind to say goodbye to him um, I think some people like myself were to make sure he actually was going but others you know, genuinely <laughs> genuinely did have a lot of affection for him and then he went to Manchester United um, and everything went came really out, well well it, it came out that he'd been working at Carrington on days when he should have been at Finch Farm whatever yeah. um, and then he made the bids for Leighton Baines and Marouane Fellaini yeah after he said all the stuff about Baines before yeah uh, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you know he should 
Everton should allow them to further their careers by moving to Manchester yeah, yeah. United. Outstanding level of hypocrisy. That was yeah. I remember. One comment completely lost almost every single Everton fan. Yeah, well, it's just such a stupid. It's just that's the. I mean, it's the quickest and easiest way to burn your bridge. It's just yeah. You know, walk out of the door and before it's closed, you're belittling where you've come from and the club that have given you your name. Yeah. So uh, uh, again, again, shows the level level of arrogance. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had, um, I mean, you had a lot of staff that came out afterwards that were trashing him as well. And, um, there was, uh, I remember reading something about one of the chefs at, uh, at Finch Farm having a go at him and like a youth team coach trashed him within a couple of months. And yeah, like, there's clearly yeah. a lot of like, a lot of resentment there that had been caught for, for the best part of a decade that just came like, gushing out. Yeah, the, the chief exec said to a friend of mine, a friend of mine had a meeting with the chief exec, Robert Elstone, and he said, um, this is about a month after Moyes had left, and he said, does, does David still ring you? Do you still speak to David Moyes? And he said, I never spoke to him when he was here. Why would I... Sp- why would- <laughs> he, he never rang me when he was here. Why would he ring me now? It's, like, quite, you know, it's quite a strange one. I mean, it's just like, you, you look at... I have all the respect in the world for what he did at Everton, but within a certain context. I mean, yeah. you're not... You, you're, t- you're talking about that like, he stabilised the club and he took you to a level that... that you should never have achieved with your financial situation. And that's really impressive. And um, he, but then, like, there wasn't enough there. Because David Moyes, to me, was always someone that, when he, when he got his big result against, like, a, an Arsenal or a Man United or, you know, Chelsea, everyone praised him. But when you, when you, when you dropped points at home to Wolves or, or someone like that, no one ever mentioned it. That's yeah, how yeah. I, 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 it's different when you're a fan, but it's just, there's not, there wasn't enough there to be, like, to prompt, like, a, yeah, a lot of arrogance. He, he instilled he instilled the moniker of plucky little Everton within the yeah, fan base exactly. and within the exactly. media, and everyone yeah. took everyone took that as red, except certain Evertonians, one of them being me, because um, I pretty much hated Moyes from about fucking five years in. I will be honest, I don't even like Martinez, but we'll not go into that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a dark place as a fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm an old fan. I'm spoiled. Yeah. I'm spoiled. I see us win things. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm just thinking about what it yeah, might be like to see Tottenham win things. and <laughs> That seems like a strange concept. I mean, I've seen them win two Carling Cups in my lifetime, I think. 99 and 2008. Is it 2008? Two Carlin Cups more than us, lad. You, you, know, yeah. you know what, though? I, I remember um, the last the last Carlin Cup. I was I was in London for that day, um, but I, I wasn't at Wembley. And I remember coming back. I came back down here um, to visit family that night. And I got on the train, a whole load of Tottenham fans in, um, in, in and around, like, you know the buffet cars you get in, um, in yeah. Silver? Yeah. And it was just, like, I obviously watched the game, and it and it was just like it was so happy. Oh, I'm not. I'm, not, just, I'm not belittling that cup at all. It was, it was like, oh, I know you're not. I know. I'll take not. a Carling Cup tomorrow if they offered me one. Oh, oh mate, it's like <laughs> the wonderful thing. Like we we laugh at like we laugh at Chelsea and Arsenal or whatever. When we're not so much Arsenal because I don't really win anything. But like you know, like when, <laughs> when 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 like suppose the big clubs win a League Cup and they celebrate it, we all we all laugh at them. But it's it's such a. I don't know. It's it's kind of there's a. It takes away that 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 stuff about everything has to be about the top four. Everything has to be about the Champions League, and everything is about preserving your challenge for something which is going to happen next season. 
And there's something so like, refreshingly immediate about celebrating a cup final win, which he just, yeah, yeah it's just, yeah, and like Raj said, if you gave me 10th and a cup, I'd take it. Every yeah. day of the week. Every day of the week. Because it's just, Definitely. you know, it's what a fan's supposed to be about, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I have a little grievance that I've been holding on to. So sorry about that. <laughs> being, being a fan isn't about thinking. Oh well, if we finish fourth, we get twenty-five million pound next season. Being a oh, fan but... is about wanting to go to Wembley and watch your team lift up that little tin pot. Oh, and it doesn't matter what tin pot it is, as long as it's a cup. Yeah, and seeing your, you, yeah, climb the stats of Wembley. But how many fans now don't think like that? You know, you you've got yeah. instead of. You know, I, I you know, obviously read quite a lot on the internet and, 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 and see what different fan bases are saying. And the amount of stuff that you read about net spends and HGMs, <sighs> look, all this stuff is important. But for some, it's just become the focus of everything. People are more proud of, 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 of their transfer revenue than they are their actual performance. Yeah. Like it's, just, it's become really skewed. The record, book, the record books don't state that you come fourth in the league, did they? No, no, you never exactly. state you come fourth no. in the league or you reach the semi-final of the cup. It doesn't state that. It states I what won this. Yeah, exactly, and that's what you remember. Those are the sort of you don't remember every detail of a thirty-eight game season, no matter how great it yeah. is. If you finish third, you, you you remember that day. You know, you you remember like Woodgate's goal against Chelsea and you know all that. But yeah. sliding now, that little stuff like that. That's that's what it's supposed to be. You know, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what being a fan should be about, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, One, um, anyway, uh, before we uh, go any further, how do you think your season's gone, boys? Oh, it's it's one of those things we're talking a minute. We've started again. Um, it's like when we, you guys, know from last time we spoke to, we should never have. Well, from my opinion, anyway, we should never have got rid of Villas Boas when we did. Um, and bringing in Shear would just prove that. Really, I mean, whatever you say about Moyes and. And uh, Martinez, if you spend five minutes with that man in charge of your club, and you'll oh, no. you'll come close to just completely falling out in love with the game as as a whole. I mean, after last after the end of last season with him talking the the shite he did in charge of the club, <laughs> the World Cup could not have come at a better time for me because it was like a, it was like rehab. It was like rejuvenation of like oh this is this is why I enjoy this sport. I don't have to listen to Tim Sherwood. He's not at the club anymore. He got sacked and we had the World Cup. It was just like a clean break. But, um, Do you remember I thought you loved Shea with Raj? Oh. Last time we were speaking, you were talking about licking his cannon on his chest. <laughs> yeah, um, you were going to get a tattoo like his, weren't you? I mean, it, it does, I can't express how much I disliked him. I mean, just some of the things he was saying in the press conferences were just so terrible. I mean... He he acted like he was the biggest man that's ever you know walked into the club. He he behaved like the big I am, but in secret he'd only got the job because he was a snake and he'd essentially worked. He, he was he he was he, he's like a press leak. He was, he was he was a press leak. He spoke to people at Talksport and the the Red Tops and his his old pal Harry Redknapp and he uh, and essentially you know he made the the job as untenable as possible as he could for the previous manager, knowing full well that he had, for some reason, the ear of Daniel Levy and could let him in. And then 
the Chucker Brothers double act we have of him and Les Ferdinand, <laughs> where I'm still not sure to this day what Les Ferdinand actually does, because the, the few times that he actually spoke in the press, all he seemed to do was launch these strange tirades against <laughs> defensive <laughs> midfielders. I mean, the amount, of, the amount of times he said that Claude McAuley was the worst thing to ever happen to English football was, was odd. And it's just like, I, I, where's this coming from? And... I remember when he was first hired, uh, Les Ferdinand, we'd, uh, we were like a free scorer inside, we were doing really well, and he was brought in as a striker's coach, and then we didn't score for the next three or four games, <laughs> we should have known from then on that it was, it was just not going to go well, but that, that period's better left behind, is with, with Pochettino now, essentially, he's got... You know, yeah, well, I, I was thinking actually... We spoke about more, he's not learning... Sorry, go on. No, sorry, I, I think we're on a little delay. I, I remember, I was thinking during um, Hull Raj, when we were when we won down, and um, I remember thinking back to the Sherwood times, I remember thinking then, you know, the, the benefit of Sherwood was when the side was losing and playing badly, there was like a compensatory, well, he's probably getting sacked as a result of this kind of feeling. <laughs> there was this, you, you could fall back on it, but then the reverse is true. I remember us winning, I remember us winning at Old Trafford and being only slightly happy happy about it because I just knew how much smugness we'd have to put up with after that and what, what a terrible place that is to be for a fan I mean it just shows how yeah, bad a job hard. that David Myers was doing there that he managed to allow Tim Sherwood to win so the other thing is with, with Pochettino <laughs> in charge it's, it's got little to do about him as a person because it's, it's more to do with how much time the hierarchy give them and things like that I mean if you ever I mean I, I remember seeing like Ken Wright at, um, he was speaking at the the Hillsborough Memorial and the, the passion that he mm. speaks about the clubs with and the area uh, mm. all we ever get from Daniel Levy is club statements written out by press executives so <laughs> and, and we've never heard him speak passionately about anything I'm not sure what he does I mean I'm not sure how he makes love but I think he just closes his eyes and thinks of England he's, he's just <laughs> He just seems like one of those people. So it's, I mean, he's a fantastic businessman, and I'm not dead against him as other people are. But it's just with a club like yours that, again, are clearly envious of how it seems to be a bit more forthcoming with the fans and how it seems to be more homely. Obviously, I'm not too off here with with Everton. I try and the only other times I've, I've ever been to Liverpool was to get my passport changed, I think, and to go to the football. Yeah. So it's it's mm. not something I'm too familiar with, but from the outside looking in, that's the the big difference between the clubs. Um, the other thing, the, the, the thing is with this city now, it's it, it's way that way out anyway. That's the way we are as people in general. With with that, we're passionate about what we do. We we'll put our hands of anything. We'll we'll make we'll make it known that we're passionate about it and. Ken Wright's from this city, and that's where that sort of stemmed from. And he's in love with the football club, which we know because he won't fucking let it go. But um, <laughs> it, it's that the way. We, if you never come out to a match to watch uh, Spurs or Goodison, give us a shout, and I'll, I'll you, you'll see what I mean. I'll show you what I mean. Is that an invitation to go a little with you? <laughs> yeah, you put a little bit me. I've sent you on fucking weird sixty-year-old blokes with your names in. You want to fucking beat me up? Hey, boy, boy, stop trying to get a firm together to go and take this sixty-year-old man out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't fucking leave it, I'll bring me Leeds connections down. That's what you're fucking dead. 
I was um I was actually like one of my I'm offended. Uh, what about your southern connection now with me? I I don't count southerners. Don't count don't discount him because that man is going to be bombarded with some strongly lit unretters. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I understand what you're saying about the town and the passion because being from where I am, um, one of my best mates is a season ticket um, season ticket holder at Leeds United and as much as I dislike that club, their fan base is, is nothing if not passionate. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I'll give you that. His older brother's like, involved with all their, their naughty lads and whatnot and often when we go out for a pint we run into them and have a chat with them. And like we often end up discussing how many times they've chased Tottenham down the road from Ellen Road, and how, how me and my dad, because we're local, know well enough to nip down the side street rather than walking outside. Yeah. Um, so you know the difference between Leeds and Everton is if you nip down the side street past Goodison, you'd likely run into a gang of twenty more lads. <laughs> well, this is the thing: the, the Leeds lads aren't that organised, so they all tend to just rush in together and half them get nicked every week. But, um, th- Unless they're waiting for you at the train station like they did for me and give you the fucking kicking. Well, I remember the. Um, this is one of the things that we usually always end up talking about when I, I speak to them. Is uh, the last time they were in the Premier League, which is quite a while ago now. Um, the last time they played, essentially every time they played a big team, they just kicked off with them because they knew it was like a going away time. It was like yeah, yeah. it's a going away tour, lads. We may as well kick off with them when we can because we're going to be going Barnsley away next season and Carlisle, so it's not going to be as much fun. So. <coughs> <laughs> when Tottenham went there away in the Premier League the last season they were in it, it was just a essentially a running battle all the way from Ellen Road to the train station and the police couldn't keep on top of it. I don't know what was wrong with them that day. Um mm. but it was it was it was quite violent and again, because me and my dad are local and we know where we were going, we managed to avoid most of it. But you can see it all going off and kicking off and you know, the, the Tottenham away support aren't, aren't you know, some of them aren't ones to shy away from that type of thing and they're just gonna get outnumbered when they go to Leeds but it's it, what the point I was trying to make other than the fact that some of them Leeds fans will quite happily jump you after a game is uh, some of them are quite delusional about the club but the the passion they speak about I mean with their owner that they've got this Cellino fella they they just want him to do all the best even though that he's he's managed to go through as many managers as Everton have had in the past 10 years within about three months <laughs> he's they, they all they've got all the best will in the world for him it's just it's one of those str- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
strange things that it kind of pulls the city in together, and it's always, yeah. always something because I've I've never really liked the club too much, and I've always, as I say, been an outsider looking in when I go there. It's just one of those things I actually quite like about them. One of the very few things I like about them. <laughs> but um, Jack will tell me off if I don't ask a serious question because um, he wanted me to bring up the fact that well, I made the point, and then he said, "Oh, you should bring it up." Before I give him credit of making a decent point, <laughs> when we play on Sunday, we'll we'll have both played in the Europa League. You lot are away in Germany, and we've got a home game, so we're not really going to have that excuse we normally have of this, you know, Europa League hangover thing because we're both essentially in the same boat. Do you, yeah. do you think have you have you seen after your Europa League games that it's you know knocked you on your ass a little bit? Do you think that the lack of preparation times has has hurt? Because I, I reckon it's going to be quite a quite an interesting affair. The fact that we've both had to play somebody else, even though. We're at home, and you've had a couple of hours on a plane. It's not, it's not yeah. too dissimilar because I mean, Germany's not as Jack called it out of Mongolia, which I then pointed out wasn't even in Europe. Um, <laughs> or Krasnodar. Yeah, where, wherever you, you know, Germany's not too far away. It's not not that long a flight. So, do you think it's going to affect this game, and has it affected your games in the past? It it hasn't. It hasn't really. I mean, the you know this. It's two, of the four games so far, two of them uh, we've played after and we've got a dodge, we've lost. Um, I think we beat Wolfsburg 4-1 and then lost at home to Palace 3-2. But yeah. we've been at home against Wolfsburg, so there's no excuse there. Um, we went away to Krasnodar and drew 1-1 with them and then went away to United and lost 2-1. Which so you can almost have that excuse. Um, but then we played Lille away. <laughs> Nil nil, one three one at home afterwards, uh, away at Burnley, and then we played Lille at home and drew one all away at Sunderland. So it's difficult to say. I will say that after our away European games, we tend to get an away um, Premier League game as well. Yeah, yeah, which is a yeah. bit dodgy. But um, I, I don't know. Germany's not that far, is it? The modern day modern day human being can cope with a two hour flight, surely. I think it's never. I never buy into the whole thing that it's about the travel. I mean, obviously, when you've got one of the Russian teams that are playing in some sort of strange Dagestan area that we have done previously, and it is like a six-hour return flight or whatever it is, it's it can take it out of them a bit. But mm. I think with it's more to do with preparation time, especially with managers like we've got who are quite academic with their approach and quite you know thorough. Um, they're gonna they're gonna spend a. a, a try and spend the best part of a week organising ready for a game. I mean, th- mm-hmm. not to speak about them too much, but that was half of why Liverpool did so well last season is because Rodgers had so much time because they were playing in no other competitions, essentially. They got knocked out of most of the Cups and didn't have any yeah. European football. He had all that time to prepare. They did much better because of it. Um, I think that's the thing that holds us back. But... Um, mm. From from your perspective, then looking at Tottenham, are we a, a club that worry you at all? Do you have any worries about coming to White Hart Lane? I mean, last uh, the thing I uh, the thing I'd point out is the fact that last season with Tim Sherwood at the helm, we played awfully and still managed to beat you one 0 So there's there's always that. Yeah, we we went asleep for that free kick then, though, didn't we? Yeah, you did, but you, that was the you quick free kick for the entire game. I mean, yeah. we were appalling. We yeah, that was a proper robbery from us last season. I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it, but. There's no way. Yeah, it's it's been a bogey ground for us, hasn't it? I think we didn't win there for 20 years up until 2005, was it? That the um, game when Kilbane got sent off when you you won three one off. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And 
you know, it's been a bit of a bogey round for us. We've we've sort of overcome that hoodoo a little bit, just to throw in another cliched term. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've overcome that a little bit. But last season we were back to it. I think are a side that are sort of at, the, at least on a level with Everton. We're both in the Europa League. We're both striving for that fourth place in the Premier League. Um, you know, both on the we, same points at the minute as well, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, both both sides. If you looked at us both, if if Everton fans said to you we were looking at winning the league or finishing second, you'd laugh. And if Spurs fans said to us you were looking at winning the league or finishing second, we'd laugh as well. So we're well, looking we're at sort too, of fourth maybe. place. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> we're, we're on that kind of same level. So I think an away game against sides who are on our level is always going to be a dangerous game. It's always going to be a game that you know we need to be at our best at. And last season, although we played it off the park. Um, we weren't we weren't clinical enough again for it to quote Roberto Martinez. But I'll be honest, I think our injuries are going to have some sort of a, uh, outcome uh, effect on the outcome of this game. I mean, we're we're ravaged at the minute because we we got players playing with slight knocks and little tears and. We've got loads out, you know what I mean? It's it's we're gonna be hard to for us. Ibert, aren't we? Tony Ibert played left back last week. Yeah. Well you, you, know. you won't have that rotation between Thursday and Sunday either, because you, you don't have the players to do it as you might have done in the season between the Europa and the Premier League. Which is no. you know it's kind of the largest point last time. I can see him playing a few kids tomorrow night in, in Wolfsburg. I think Luke Garbert might get a shout at left back, Ty Brown. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Aruna Kone's on the plane, lad. Runa Runa on the plane, he's serving the tea, is he? Is Aruna Kone still at the club? Yeah, he's he's he's, he's gone away with the, he's got away with them. To, to yeah, he fulfills the disability quota for the playing stuff. Didn't he get injured last season? Is that why he was he didn't play at all because he got had his leg broken? Yeah. He's played like sixteen minutes or something the entire something everything. like that. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's he's it's been a full year out for him. He played in the reserves yeah. match last yeah. night uh, for forty-five minutes. Is it- um, has he still got his hair done like Demolition Man? No, no, no. <laughs> no, he's just got a full-on skinhead now. He's, sure he's become one of the baldy crew. <laughs> oh, lads, just uh, Ludogorets have just equalised against Liverpool. I'm yeah, a... I just saw that. Yes, yeah. So they've, it's I, I... two all in the 88th minute. Beautiful. <laughs> Let's all laugh at Liverpool. And in other news, Arsenal are 2 nil. Oh, we don't talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but I thought you'd be <laughs> No, I mean, did you hear about their fan on the weekend that threw red wine at the bench because that's how they show their discontent? <laughs> and that's not a joke, the genuine... It's just the, mo- it's the most Arsenal thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Wait, stop, 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 stop. I didn't know that. An, uh, an Arsenal fan th- threw he, red wine at the Arsenal bench. He, uh, uh, one of the benches, yeah, he, he, to show how mad he was during the game. He at his Merlot or something, uh, a banger mm, on his I way out of the stadium. I don't think it would have been a Merlot, that's oh too expensive. It would have been a, a Rioja or something like that he'd have got rid of. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he would have gone into the back and like blown the, the dust it's off. It's not going to have been Rioja, is it? It's going to have been a French red wine, surely, at Arsenal. That's what I'm saying, he won't have got rid of the nice ones. He would have got rid of one of the, oh, yeah. the ones from the back, one of the ones he usually puts in the uh, kids' raffle presents for, for school. <laughs> Damn you, wanging your degenerate style of football. I throw my Rioja at you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're a strange club, but it's, uh, you're not allowed booze in the ground, so it must have come from, like, uh, the the posh it's boxes. Flat. Yeah. <laughs> his flask, his hip flask, he had a flask of wine in his pocket. 
<laughs> There's a video on YouTube of all their posh seats throwing coins down at Everton fans, lashing coins at little girls in the Everton end from about five years ago. It's, really? It's, they're an absolute disgrace. Um, the way they treated us in the up last season as well, and it was you guys as well, no, wasn't it? No, where they gave us no tickets because they're scared yeah, of having yeah. more fans. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. What, what, what absolute we, shambles. We were, we were supposed to have about 8,000, weren't we, and they gave us about three. Yeah. That was shocking. I mean, uh, there's so many things about that club that are wrong. The fact that they are essentially the first franchise club to ever play in the in the league is uh, they're as bad as MK Dons in my book, which is saying something. Do <laughs> <laughs> my fucking head in. Do my fucking head in, Arsenal. Um, but you know, me off. that's a that's another rant altogether. Um, that's a different podcast. Yeah. That one. That's if we <laughs> if we we do the tradition of asking you what the uh, the score line will be on the weekend before we uh, before we go. Right. Um, I'm going to go for a break from the norm for you, you guys and a two one result. Win or win for you or win for us. Win for us. I was going to say that's that's generous of you to say we'd win. What about you, boy? No. I think five out of your last seven games have finished 2-1, haven't we? So yeah, yeah. It's yeah. got to be. If you go 1-0 so up it's... and have someone sent off, you'll know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You'll see your defenders cowering in fear of Harry Kane. Oh. Well, that's part of our game. Get, another, get, get, get a player sent off. Get, get Ryan Mason to uh, to go through the back of someone and hope they react to him. That's, um, that's how we like to do it now, apparently. But we got a question from Twitter as well. Um, from right, one of your Wally, who's presenting this, me or you? <laughs> I didn't. We're fifty-five minutes in. I didn't think you were fucking getting to the Here we go. Yeah, anyway, I reckon the score. The score of the weekend's going to be three 0 Everton. Three 0 All right. Uh, I'm just going to hang up now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was this Twitter question then? An audience with Barley. What's the? Uh, what was the question you wanted to see? Um, I can't fucking remember now. I can't find it. Give us a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right. It is. It's exactly like one of our podcasts. This ever the professional. Yeah. Um. Blah, 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 blah. From Jad the Crab. I don't know. We maybe yeah. one of your followers, yeah, Raj. We, we or seen, new I found stuff. it now. Yeah. Uh, B yeah. by or, Do you know who he is? He's, he tweets all the time. He's a listener to the to the show. I don't know him personally. Twat of a Twitter name for when you listen to Jad. Fucking, I'll sort it out, lad. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, uh, what playing style has Martin has brought in your opinion, and how well is it, go- is it going? Now, say you can answer that, because I'm not answering any fucking questions on Bobby Bullshit. Right. <laughs> Bobby Bullshit? Hang on a second, you call it Bobby Bullshit? one word. Okay, what playing style has Martin has brought to Everton? The word is liquid. Oh, my God. We've heard from Partridge now, but Barley, can you tell us why you call him uh, Bobby Bullshit, please? <laughs> <laughs> right, liquid. Fuck off, liquid. <laughs> <laughs> that killed Seb. Seb said, "Ah, oh, that is that is ah, oh, oh, just put like oh. a traction engine." Oh he's, man, he's gonna right. go out. He's gonna go out the weekend. Seb go fucking liquid. <laughs> a scouser calls Everton liquid for fuck's sake. That, that, that's what. That's what I'm gonna think all the way through the game as well. Especially <laughs> this. This is that was liquid. That is horrible. <laughs> See, I'm just gonna put on put on Twitter every time we make two passes. Oh liquid. Thank you, Seb. Liquid, dirty, dirty, dirty. That's the, that's the angriest I've ever heard, Seb. 
<laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, no, that, I remember the, the steering when I talked about a false nine from all you lot as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that horrible. Yeah, anyway. I just stopped talking for a little bit. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seb's just gone to beat up his cat. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, cat. Fucking, that's what I get for calling me cat litter. Cat's bird getting a dig off Seb when you get home. That's his own fault for taking his bird to fucking pitches. Anyway, um, I call Bobby Bullshit Bobby Bullshit because he's full of bullshit. What exactly don't you like about him? Because he seems to be doing all right to me. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, it's got other people do like him. Yeah, maybe so. No, but you know when the website was paraphrasing before? And the teacher started itching... With all the... <laughs> would you rather? Would you rather someone like Harry Redknapp then who comes in and talks the most? No, I can't stand that baggy fucking bollock face cunt either. No, um, right. If you could pick your ideal manager, then who would you have? Um, Albert Kendall. Who? <laughs> Albert Kendall. <laughs> I don't think I was alive the last time he managed a football club. Oh, sadly, I was. That makes it me feel old. Oh, dear. What I'm saying is that that's, that's my ideal manager. Just dour and humorless. Just, like, just, how Kendall looks like a football manager. Just looks like he, he has a face for no other profession. Just so and there you go. I, I need to say no more. Oh. Albert Kendall isn't Albert and Numerous, by the way. He's fucking sad. We interviewed him a couple of weeks ago for his book. He's dead sad. He's fucking bossy. He's off his head. But anyway, yeah, no, it, it, it's just. <laughs> Kendall. I just, <laughs> what, I just what like to distance myself from these comments, by the way. These comments are my own. And <laughs> these comments are my own. And I have no affiliation with NSNO whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> no. What was that? How is Kendall 68? Like, is he I, I like will... your version of King Kenny or something? Oh, fuck you. I'm going to fucking come to Leeds. <laughs> fucking hang you upside down with a Bradford top on. <laughs> oh, you dirty bastard, rash. This is this is your Messiah complex coming out, isn't it? You're going to... Oh, mate, I'm going to piss in your shoes. <laughs> That's fucking bad, that man. <laughs> anyway, right... Did you, did you go to Lidl today, Raz? Did you just fucking out to wire me up today? No, no, I, I didn't go to No, Lidl. what it is, I understand, I fully understand Martinez's passion. I like the football he's got us playing. What I can't bear about him is his ultimate positivity on absolutely fucking everything. If it's raining, he'll tell you it's a lovely cloud shower. It's just... It, it, Fucking irks me. It irritates the shit out of me. So you dislike him because he's a nice man? <laughs> no, I dislike him because it's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, actually, you could be right there, man. I don't like nice people. So if it, In general, I don't like people. So if it turned up on the weekend and he'd like not shaved and he'd like suddenly become a degenerate alcoholic over the weekend, you'd, you'd prefer him? <laughs> Most probably. <laughs> That, that's probably down to me being a pub man, as you. So, <laughs> uh, I prefer him to be a bit more of a cunt. I'd be, I'd be fair, <laughs> prefer him to be a bit more of a cunt. Just a little bit. A bit more Sherwood. No, uh, fuck off! Stop using shit names, Dad. I'm sorry. A bit more Joe. I'm sorry, my references out from the eighties, <laughs> like yours. Yeah, so more Joe Royal, more Peter Reed. Still from the eighties, but <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, more Tim Kale. 
More Tim Kale. Yeah, more Tim Kale. Nice guy, little bit of a cunt. <laughs> All right, lads. Well, uh, before Bali actually does come round and have a word with me, because he, he drives up this way every now and then, I'll best let you off. Thanks very much for for coming back on again. <laughs> look forward to the. Uh, for look forward to the uh, to the return fixture. See if um, see if Jack will be available that occasion to come and speak to you. Because I know he's. Oh fuck, Jack! I prefer Seb. He's <laughs> got a better sense of humour. He's much funnier than Jack. He's probably better looking, and he doesn't take his birds the pictures on the fucking podcast, mate. Nice one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> God, well, Jack's been told, then, hasn't he? Yeah. Have, you, have you got any anything else you want to tell Jack? Say. Um, just that I'd like to distance myself from Paulie's comments again, Jack, and I think you're boss. <laughs> uh, that's him broken for the night, lads. I think we can uh, <laughs> we can suck him up in his cell, and that'll he'll just rock himself out in the end. Well, um, I'll um, I'll offer you as much good luck as uh, as possible for the weekend. Not uh, not that you'll yeah. uh, not that you'll probably need it to be honest. Yeah, enjoy the game, guys. I hope it's, uh, yeah, well, cheers, and you. As well, cheers, cheers, mate. Cheers, cheers, boys. There we go, Borley and Cy. Uh, I miss those two. I'm sad I couldn't get to speak to them this week. But of course, um, you you ably deputised there, Raj. I would say deputised. I'm gonna gonna passively aggressively elevate myself above you. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, so there's no excuse this week, essentially, as you touched on in the uh, in the chat with them because we forgot to talk about Partizan at the start of the show. We are playing against that scary, scary team with scary, scary fans. Um, but, yeah, should we? It is at White Hart Lane. Um, so we do have no excuse on the weekend if we don't at least put in a very good account of ourselves. Um, are you, you know, now you can be brutally honest, you don't have to be Partizan at all now that... Uh, they fucked off, basically. Uh, do you do you see Everton as being a kind of a, a, a massive threat to us, mate? Oh, they're a, they're a brilliant side. Um, they're a year further into their their cycle under um, Martinez than we are with Pochettino. The the thing that we we touch upon with there not being any excuses is the fact that Everton have actually got quite a smaller squad than we have in terms of the players they usually use. Um, like a, when they have a handful of injuries, it, it, it harms them quite, quite, quite a lot, really, because they've not got as much depth as perhaps we we can claim we have um, with you know on paper. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens on the weekend because it, it would be be interesting to see how we plan to play them given that we're literally in the same sort of boat and the fact that we we haven't had to travel anywhere but we'll had a, a similar sort of preparation time it'll be a good test of of seeing just how big a effect that Europa League hangover in air quotes is mm. is really I mean, affecting us there shouldn't be t- it is still an away game but it's it's only Germany it's Wolfsburg so it's not you know it's not one of these kind of out of Mongolia type um Europa League away games, but I don't think out of Mongolia is in Europe. To be honest, is it not? They'd, they'd, they'd never be going there. I'll brush up on my skills, um, my map reading, and so on and so forth. But they, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it. It we'll see if how much of an effect it does have. I mean, I, I'd probably be tempted to say that their strongest eleven is is better than ours. I think I would say their strongest eleven is more familiar than ours rather than better. I think given time and given uh, given a, a better period of coaching, um, ours would. And probably should perform better. I mean, we've got to bear in mind. I brought this up with them as well that we played awfully last season against them at home. One of our worst performances of the year under yeah. Sherwood, and we still managed to beat them, um, which was baffling to be honest. It was, it made that Villa performance we had earlier this season look like we were, you know, Brazil in the seventies. It was, it was terrible. We couldn't string any passes together. Sherwood had got his tactics completely wrong. It was during that period where everything Adi Bayor hit would go in, and it was just one fluke moment where we took a, a quick free kick that, that got us a goal. And other than that, they were they should have been all over it. It was pretty much a a Tottenham type performance with them, where they got caught cold on one occasion and then just couldn't make their possession and their attacks count. So I'd be looking for a much better performance against them this year. And Martinez had a he had this. This ability at Wigan when he be used to play us, where they'd have one bad performance against us a season, and we'd beat them quite comfortably. And then another time, he he'd kind of suss us out a little bit more. And with that experience of already having playing us, they usually they they ended up you know pipping us once or twice. Mm. There was that that was that last season with where AVB was in charge. His first season in charge, sorry, where it was one of the last games of the season when Wigan went down, where we drew three all, I think there yeah. or two all. Where they they we we only snatched a draw in the last minute. They were much the better side, and it was that game where Gareth Bale scored that fluky goal where he jumped at the keeper and it went in. So you know, he's he's a manager who very much knows how to play against us. So uh, it'd be I'm I'm intrigued to see how we get on with that one. To be honest, because um, it's Everton are quite a team I, I enjoy watching a little bit. Cause, yeah, uh, I like Everton. Martin is a Martin is a good manager, so it's it's going to be. Uh, It'll be an intriguing encounter. I'll, I'll I'll be looking forward to watching that. I think we're on on the television again, so um, it's uh, it's one that's easier to nick off the internet. As we've mentioned many times as well, it's a, you know it's a club with similar heritage, similar kind of history to Spurs, and probably are not you know vaguely dissimilar kind of Premier League kind of. Uh, Premier League kind of uh, vintage, should I say? Although we've we've probably had slightly better spoils in the Premier League. At least we've hit higher highs, I would say, than they have managed to. But you know, I think we've finished fin- finished fourth twice to their once, haven't we? So, yeah. but it, it, but just it. in terms of like you know like the kind of the Modric Bale sort of era was probably a bit higher than anything they've they've experienced. I I would say. Um, yeah, but I mean still... their period of of success in terms of winning the league and things like that, and winning the FA Cup has a bit more recent than ours is. Um, it was back in that period in the, the 70s and the 80s that um, Simon Cooper talked to us about, if you remember, where Liverpool and Everton didn't use any black players, but that was when Everton were were one of the best sides in the country. It was where, uh, you know, Merseyside was probably the the hub of, uh, of English football, which it isn't anymore. And, um, you know, I think... They they probably want to put that right if they, they can, but you know they're they're probably the better side in in the uh, in the area at the moment compared to Liverpool. Yeah, I, lo- I I love 
I love their demise. I love their demise so much. I, it's it's more so because you know I, I I never really liked Liverpool, but I never really disliked them so much. And it's just the same. Like I never really disliked Brendan Rodgers. I actually used to quite like Brendan Rodgers at Swansea. I never. I genuinely. I never wanted him as Spurs boss. I didn't. Um, but at the same time, you know, I didn't particularly want Pochettino, um, which I've, I'll happily attest to. Um, however, you can kind of see the decision why it was made to bring Rodgers in, and he, you know, he he's performed admirably for Liverpool. But just the way in which he's kind of gone about his business, as soon as he started to kind of do quite well at Liverpool, it just went immediately to his head and he just became just such an awful character he just became such a, a headstrong egotistical prick and just he, he was he was like the kind of like you know when you when you're at secondary school and there would be those lads who would be kind of like a bit a bit ugly a bit geeky when they were kind of like 13 12 13 14 they 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 weren't really like the sort of the bullied kid. They weren't the absolute gimp. They still had mates and stuff, but they were kind of like the runt of the litter, the one that people would kind of take the piss out of and whatever. And then when they have that late blooming surge, when they get to about sort of 17, 18, and they start to fill out a bit, look a bit better, girls pay them a bit more interest, it's because they've experienced being like not that guy, and when they become that guy, they sort of become a bit of a twat for a while. I don't know if you've ever had any friends like that, but I had a couple who were like that, who sort of get a bit big for their boots, and then they generally come back down to earth after a while, but it sort of feels like Rogers is 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 that guy at the moment, and I'm not talking like that guy Welbs. Sorry, that's a little shout out to Arsenal's social media manager this week, but uh, like he just, you know, calling us out, saying our oh, Tottenham should be challenging for the league, and saying how there was no strategy behind our buying, and having a dig at Southampton this year. I think he's, I think he's even had a dig at his old team Swansea before. He's, he's had a, uh, a few goes at a few different teams at United, at Everton, and it, it's just, it's, it's not. I don't know. He's, he's, he's done it in a way that's almost unprofessional. Um, and so I can't help but squeal with delight as I as I witness their their implosion without Suarez really, which I think a lot of people had hoped, and I think a lot of people are acting like they were more convinced than they actually were that Liverpool were going to implode in this fashion with selling Suarez. I mean, I I, I didn't think they would do a full on Tottenham, but they have they have done a full on Tottenham, haven't they? Really. Um, I'm, I won't be comfortable bandying around words like implosion just yet because it's still quite early. Oh, no, just season. do it. Just do, live live life on the wild side, Raj. What's going to happen? Um, What's going to happen, mm, mate? Someone's going to say, "Oh, you said I'd, this." I'd and end you up didn't. looking like a bit of a mug, like you, which are exactly. I try my best to stay away from, to be honest. But, uh, the, but look where it's got me, mate. I'm a I'm, a, I'm a hip and happening cool kind of guy which you know is completely redundant after I said hip and happening so we've um we've seen you're just Arsenal not going to grace out of anything are you mate no I'm just ignore it ever happened um <laughs> we've, we've we've seen Arsenal have the type to, to uh, starts to seasons before where they've struggled um quite spectacularly um even even worse than they are this year to be honest and they've still managed to to find their form at a good 
period of time and, and they've put wins together and managed to make a run. So with the with how close it is at the top of the league this year, I mean Chelsea and Southampton aside, um Southampton will fall away, Chelsea won't. Chelsea are, Chelsea are gonna run away with the league quite comfortably this year. They're gonna do it probably half pace. But the rest of them, there's, there's so much much of a muchness about there now that if if Everton put a good run together of you know not losing for ten fifteen games, if they finally get their heads right, then they're not gonna not gonna be too far off. So I'm I'm not willing to write them off as yet. Rodgers isn't going to become a bad coach overnight. He's not going to be the best coach in the world either because I agree with you. He does come across as a bit of a a self-important egotist. I mean, the, the the most damning thing I've always found about Rodgers is, you know, this past summer when uh, the stories have emerged that he's, he's left his wife of a certain amount of time and essentially done the midlife crisis thing of trading her in for a, a much younger, much thinner-looking woman is a... Is something that's uh, you know damning of a character as anything else. To be honest, because uh, from from the quotes that his his wife was saying that there was you know essentially nothing wrong with their marriage apart from Brendan seeking pleasure elsewhere. It's uh, it just smacks of a man that that kind of uh, thinks he's he's elevated himself to a higher station, which isn't something that I particularly find appealing about a person's uh, a person's outlook on life. So. Um, uh, while I don't, I'm, I'm not a fan of Liverpool in the slightest. They're not a, a team I've ever liked, to be honest. They're not a, a club I've ever had any sort of affiliation or any sort of soft spot for, or you know anything like that. To be honest, I, I quite enjoy seeing them do poorly. I'm just not, I'm just not entirely convinced that they're gonna be relegated or anything this year. They're just gonna have a year that's not quite as good as the one they had the, the season before. To be honest, it's it's not the end of the world. No, but I don't know. Fuck them, I hate Liverpool, so I hope they get relegated. Um, one thing we should probably touch on, I mean, it's going to be a lot of conjecture. Um, it's still up in the air, but it's something that should probably be spoken about, is the fire at Archway Sheet Metal. Um, I mean, what's it is being treated as suspicious. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I think most fires... Again, this is sort of the way the media will twist things. I think most fires are treated as suspicious. I think, like, most things are treated as suspicious until investigations are performed. So to say that, you know, this is treated as suspicious as in, like, it's somehow a unique case isn't true. But at the same time, given the political situation surrounding Archway, the new stadium, so on and so forth, you, you know, you're going to be slightly... Slightly naive to to not at least suspect that there could be some element of foul play. Um, we give some give some background to it if you know if people aren't aware of what's happened. Um, yeah. What, when it, when exactly did the fire happen? How bad is it? And you know what else has gone on? Because people might not even have have heard the name. I mean, they're a big thing for for people like us that pay very close attention to the club. But some people might not. Have uh, have looked at the entire. They're not. Situation they're not as, proper as Tottenham, though, mate. If they don't know about it, they shouldn't be well, listening. They're not proper. Now, uh, Archway Sheet Metal. They're essentially they're the last business um, standing in the way of, should we say, Tottenham being able to build the new stadium. Um, that's at least a narrative that's spun by the press, and the club are happy to continue to fan. Um, 
They are a family business of about 25, 30 years. Um, they, the, the alleged story is that they were offered assurances by the club that the club wouldn't be expanding the stadium anytime soon in a way that would encroach on their business expanding. Um, so in turn, they've expanded their own business. Um, the club have offered them a, a fee to not only buy the land, but to relocate them and something on top for the t- troubles to which Archway have gone back and said, no, we expect a larger fee, um, which the club have rejected. The club have then pursued a compulsory purchase order from the government, which is now up for review. Um, I'm sure everyone will know what a compulsory purchase order is. If you don't, it's pretty awful, really. Um, but you can kind of understand why it exists in a capitalist society. But that's another matter entirely. Um, but this, the uh, the 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 you know, th- this has essentially been seen as the last bastion standing in the way of Tottenham being able to get the new stadium. Uh, underway. So yesterday, Tuesday morning, tweets started flooding through um, that it had been on, that it'd been set on fire essentially. Um, and it, it, there's quite a, quite a few pictures around on on the internet and on Twitter. Um, and apparently the the building's completely gutted now. It is it is burnt to the ground. Um, I haven't seen any pictures of that. That is unconfirmed. That's just going on hearsay on Twitter. But apparently the building is gutted. So it is a a pretty significant fire. Um, And so I guess we just have to wonder whether or not it's it's a pissed off fan, whether it's a pissed off local who feels that or whatever, you know, if the stadium goes, it's going to do damage to the area. If it's an insurance job, as some people have said, there's there's various theories and sort of things going around um i mean we've had a just to uh put in there when you said insurance job we've had a similar sort of fire in leeds quite a, a larger one we've uh we've got a building quite a lot of old buildings in leeds quite a lot of listed ones mm. um that are privately owned but obviously with a listed building there's not right much you can do here you can't change too much of it you can you know spruce up the inside a bit but you know, you're not allowed to do too much with it. But there's one uh, just outside at train station across from Queen's Hotel. If you've ever been to Leeds, you've probably seen it, especially if you've gone to, to Welland Road. You can't really miss it. It's, uh, it's been a nightclub for some years called Majestic. Not a very good nightclub either. Um, it's, it's one that I've never particularly wanted to ever frequent in. So is it fal- false advertising then by the purveyors? Uh, yeah, it's in Majestic's not even spelt properly. It's got like vowels missing and things. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's abhorrent. Anyway, that's not the point. Recently, about a month ago, um, it's got this beautiful, you know, in the old style domed ceilings that buildings used to have with a bit of a, not a spire because that's only on churches, but you know the metal things that stick out of the top just to make it look a bit grander. Yeah. I had one of those, quite a, a very large one. And uh, for some time, the club's been closed down and the people who've owned it have been looking for somebody else to buy it. And um, they couldn't find a buyer for it for, for quite a long time. And just uh, one night out of nowhere, the entire building set on fire. And uh, quite a lot of people um, assumed it was an insurance job for quite a long time. And then slowly information started leaking out about how the fire had started. And this is a, even though it's an old building, it's an extremely 
modernised secure building, all the doors are fine on it, there's, you know, there's no broken he- windows or anything here or there that anyone can get in, but um, the the person that had got charged with it was a, a homeless man who apparently had gone up onto the first level of it, I think there's like a, the ground floor and then a top floor, and he'd on, on the top floor he'd set off uh, like a fire to keep himself warm apparently and then that had escalated and burnt the whole building down, but there is no way that that man could have got into the building without any sort of help. There's no way he's, you know, a cat burglar-esque type person that could have broken in. And um, essentially what, what most people think is that they've, you know, given this poor homeless man, you know, a couple hundred quid and told him to start a fire or they've set the fire themselves and asked this man to take the blame because the level to which that fire was burning if you if you even google it you'll find images of it because it's quite a big local news story because it's as i say a listed building there's a massive fire and you could see it for miles around and they're still because it's a listed building still having to rebuild it now so that our entire end of town is is pretty much shut off for builders but it's uh it's just it buys into that whole thing that especially with arson type cases with fires that they're the things that are very unexplainable and things that people do quite often to to change things. I mean, if you've ever watched a police show for more than one one series, there'll have been a an arson type episode in there at some point where somebody's tried to do something shady. So it's it's not something that we can really, especially with the Archway Steel one, it's not something that we can mm. confidently point fingers at anyone or anything. No, like I mean it, it. It is one of those things like it. Again, I I do want to make ardently clear that I don't in any way condone this. There's no caveat to this. It's an abhorrent act. Like I don't think this is a way for people to behave whatsoever. Um, and this isn't even a however. There's there's no caveat. But what I'm saying is I'm not overly surprised that this, this is has a, happened. This is- this is a point that me and you have, uh, yeah. have butted heads on and texted, yeah. isn't it? I'm, I mean, I'm, football is such an emotive... Like I was saying to you, you know, it's a game that can trigger men to meet up in parks with standing knives and bricks and even just meet up in parks with not tooled up and have a, have a fucking punch-up. People, you know, for whatever reason, they love their clubs and they show that love or that aggression or whatever in various different ways... And if someone is seen to be being obstinate in such a way that it is hampering the club's progress or that it's whatever, mugging the club off or, you know, the, the guy is particularly outspoken on Twitter. And again, again, this isn't, you know, condoning it. I do want to make that like perfectly clear. But the guy has been particularly kind of vociferous on Twitter. I think his name's Peter from Archway. Um, and he, he's he's often kind of like laughing at the club and laughing at their attempts to try and get him to move and it, being a bit of a prick about it. If I'm if I'm to be honest, I don't, I haven't particularly warmed to the guy. For me, like my opinion of like you know whether he should move or not, I don't think is any of my business. It's his business. It's his family business. Yeah, I think he's getting in the way of the club's progress and probably the area's progress, but. You know, at the same time, it's not really my place to say, well, you know, this guy should move on. It's his, it's a long-standing family business, um, and it is how he supports his family. And 
whatever how he chooses to act in that position is up to him. Uh, that's not that's not really a side of things I'm you know I really have much of a say in. Yeah, I just find it frustrating that we can't start building a stadium that we're not going to fill anyway. <laughs> but it's but you know I I'm not surprised if it were to be an arson attack from just an aggressive, pissed off psycho. It it wouldn't surprise me. It honestly wouldn't. The- the point that we kind of disagreed on was that you said that he, to a degree, he should have been anticipating something like this because of the way in which he'd conduct. I've never come across the guy. I've never seen his Twitter account or anything like that. I've you know I've read all the the articles and all the news coming out about the stadium progression and and what exactly is happening from a a legal standpoint and all the appeals that are going on with the government and everything. But I've never really looked into the person behind it too much as, as much as you have so uh, I understand that they're, they're an Arsenal family apparently um, well which... no see this is a point of conjecture as well because some people have said he owns a, uh, he used to own a Tottenham box at the ground but other people have said that's an out and out lie that they are Arsenal fans so again this is this is all hearsay so that's not really uh, you know that's that's unconfirmed either way to be honest I'd heard that their Twitter account had got Arsenal in the bio, to be honest. That's that's something that somebody had once told me. But again, I'd never really acted on that and had a check out of it. But what I said to you was that no matter how the person conducts themselves, no matter what exactly is happening, there is no acceptable reason that anybody should ever... No, of course not. But at the same anticipate that that's going to happen to them. I mean, I could say things to anyone online. I mean, I, I could say something to somebody just offhand and and just be taking the piss. And I, that doesn't mean that I should be anticipating somebody to come and try and firebomb my business. I mean, I think the way I put it to you was that if if everybody that was a dickhead had their business burnt down, we wouldn't have any businesses left to to be operating with. So it's. Um, it's a strange case. I mean, we've talked about it at some length, but we've not really been able to say anything about it. It's just a, it's just another thing that piles on top of the pressure about this new stadium. To be honest, it's probably going to be more of a hindrance than it is a help in the long run because it it just means it's going to be further levels of bureaucracy and further levels of police inquiry that is going to lengthen this process. Well, yeah, and I mean, if you were if you were in that bloke's shoes and someone's done that, you know, there's going to be a part of you that's going to think, well, fuck it, I'm going to rebuild my business on this land. The, yeah, that's still not that's still not up for kind of uh, for debate just because the building's been burnt down doesn't mean I'm going to I mean, somehow it's, lessen it's, in my stance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if somebody's somebody's burnt that down with with the idea that the guy's going to turn up to work next day, see his building's burnt down, and go, ah, oh, you know what? fuck it, let them build a business now because, you know, mine's burnt down. That's not the way it's going to work. It's just going to put his back up more if that's the sort exactly. of person he is. So it's it's counterproductive at the extreme. I mean, it's not something we can ever support. I mean, people have been taking the piss out of it somewhat. I mean, you you made that Daniel Levy vine about him being a fire starter. Which as soon as I knew the other one was hurt, I was just like, yeah, cool, I'll do something. <laughs> but, I mean, the the entire thing is... It's extremely disappointing. I mean, nobody should be patting the person who's done this on the back. Nah, if, it, no, no. if it indeed a person on the back, and if it is, you know, an insurance attempt, if they've done it themselves to get themselves a bit of publicity. I mean, I don't understand how much business sheet metal workers get in the country anymore. I didn't realise that was a a viable business option anymore. I know it's a bit weird, isn't it? Maybe it's a niche uh, niche in the market. 
you know, see, sounded a bit Victorian the first time I heard about that business still being there. I mean, what, what, what's next door? A, a blacksmith? It's, uh, it's very strange. But <laughs> the candlestick maker. Yeah, and the, co- the cobblers box. across the road and the bakery. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a, a cobbler or a, or a blacksmith in Tottenham, my road, to be honest. You've probably seen plenty up north, haven't you, mate? There are cobblers and, and yeah, people like that, to be honest. I get it's my, like I get my shoes fixed. Good, good, honest professions. Yeah, there's not wrong with that, is no, there? No, not I at mean, all, not at all. No, I remember I'm just, once... Where, I'm just some drone that sits in an office and makes it look like I'm doing a job. I'm not really doing anything. I remember once, one of the worst I've ever been in, in trouble with my granddad. Uh, my granddad's quite a placid character, usually. He's much like me in that um, we don't get pissed off very easily, but when we do get pissed off, we you know, blow our top quite spectacularly it builds up for some time but we're, we're quite placid in the main and uh one of the times he's, he's been the most mad at me once is um i couldn't have been any more than about 10 and i was just you know usual arsy kid a uh, bit, bit cheekier and there probably been spoiled a bit too much and didn't really understand what money was never worked a day in my life you know and all of that sort of business and uh the the window cleaner had come to ask for some money because he'd cleaned granddad's windows at his house i can't even remember what exactly the the comment i made was when i shouted to him because he i think he was in a different room and i was just by the door and i closed the door to say the window cleaner's there and in the process of telling him the window cleaner was there and that he needed paying i'd I'd made some sort of derogatory comment about the profession of window cleaning and (laughs) made it sound unappealing you know in the way in which a kid would and that um, i wouldn't want to be a fucking window cleaner what sort of shit job is that or he's never been to school that type of thing and he was apoplectic with rage with me he said that man is making an honest living through an honest business, and if you can't appreciate that, then there's something wrong with you, not with him. And he actually yep. made me he made made me apologise to the man right there and then. And it's something obviously the the way in which I've been brought up and grown up, I've realised that that's a absolutely horrific thing to have ever gone through my mind at the stage of being a child, um, and now having worked and understand, you know, the exactly the value of money, having learnt what it's what it's all about, it's. Uh, it's one of those lessons you have to really learn, isn't it? So um, I've ne- I never really try and make jokes or take the piss out of people what they do for a living or anything. I mean, if you, you know that guy that's done all the the Manchester United vines, the the Andy Tate bloke. Um, to to digress slightly, they um somebody's what you somebody got the m- job on a technicality that one. Yeah, yeah, Moise. Um Although they are quite amusing, somebody is. In Manchester's run into him, and apparently he works in like a, a home bargains type shop, you know, like a super drug. And obviously, with the type of drones that are, find that type of thing funny, they've just been taking the piss out of the man's job and the way in which he earns his money. Yeah. And the fact that he, you know, he's not from a very uh, nice area of the town. And that's horrific, to be honest. I mean, that uh, the fact that people can can do that in this day and age where finding a job's as hard as it is, the fact that the man's got one. I mean, the fact that he's, he appears to be at every single Manchester United home game there is, if he works in a shop and he can still work hard enough to be affording tickets at that price, at that regularity, then he's doing something right. Yeah, that sort and, of uh, stuff, it's, it's, I don't know, it's an ugly side of people, it's, it's shitty, it's too flippant as well. Um, it's you southerners, mate, that's the point I was trying to make. Nobody up north has got that sort of side to them. Get fucked. There's so many fucking elitist, fucking land-owning, farmer cunts up north, mate. Oh, of course there is, yeah. It's, 
you get those type of people everywhere. I mean, yeah. I'll, I've said before that I will, I will, my local MP and my part of Leeds is somehow a conservative, and I've I've never quite understood that to be honest, given the sort of place that Leeds is. But you know, that's that's the world in which we live in. It is. It is. How, speaking of which, did you make your donation and get your pig bag? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I, I wasn't going to give the Labour Party nineteen pounds for that pig or lion thing they've emailed me subsequently since again to say we said this was a limited edition and we weren't lying i was like i'm fucking surprised it's limited edition nobody's gonna be buying that if somebody wants to give you money for political reasons they will but nobody's gonna be wanting to get that in return it looks horrific i mean we've we've tweeted a picture out of it if anybody's interested in seeing this uh the way in which british politics works uh to a certain level i mean it's odd. Uh, it's odd. It's good. I, I, I like. We've we've had a couple of positive responses as well from uh, from our international listenership, who have said that they've uh, they've seen our kind of our Britishisms as as fairly educational. So I'm I'm, I'm happy with that, Raj. I think we're we should keep on with our chats about Emma Dale and EastEnders and and the like. Even though we we didn't really delve too far into uh, into the world of the Dingles or the Mitchells. Um, I remember once, uh, I've got a story about a Dingle, I think it was Kane Dingle. Um, was he the one out? that kind of, he started out being quite a scary bad lad, but then became alright. He had like jet black hair, didn't he? Which I think that's of... one of them, yeah, I think he, he, I think he was one of the ones who's been in it since he was a kid and now he's been through that many storylines, he's an adult now. But um, we were just out at a bar once, we were last, um, having a drink on that one of our mates, and uh, she's gone out to get some money out from cash point and uh she'd seen kane dingle and queue behind her and uh oh she gone oh kane dingle and had a bit of a word a bit of a chat and whatnot and uh in the process of doing that she'd forgotten that her money were in cash point <laughs> like 20 quid or whatever and uh she'd walked off and come back inside and uh she went oh i never got my money out of that thing went back down to see if it was there kane dingle's fucked off with a 20 quid so he never he never never tried to find and never tried to do anything just you know silently took his free money and went away uh i've, I've got a good one if we're talking about soap soap stars and places you remember uh everyone the the figure of ridicule that was dean gaffney who used to play robbie jackson in in eastenders uh, sadly, I, I am familiar with Dean Gaffney. Yeah. So Dean Gaffney was in. Uh, we, we're probably about eighteen, or maybe just snuck in when we were like seventeen. Me so it's a good twenty years ago now. Me and a few. Fuck off! Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> me, and, me and a few of my mates were uh, in there um, in Oceana, our local Oceana, classy lads. NASA Chadley's favourite night. Uh, spot. Yeah, yeah. Knickers around the ankles. Um, but uh, he. Uh, Dean Gaffney essentially was in was in our local Oceana, and uh, but it wasn't just Dean Gaffney who was in it. He was proper front in it. Like he was he was acting like he was Billy Big Bollocks. Um, he had he had this one like great massive like lad of him that you just assume wasn't his mate because he clearly doesn't have any. Um, was just some sort of like personal personal guard, and just essentially because of. You know, on the virtue that he was on EastEnders, because let's face it, he was a he was, a, you know, an, an unacceptably ugly man, and still is. <laughs> He's you know, but he he had this like what can only be described as a harem of women around him, just just loads of them. So good old base level jealousy took over. 
one of my mates was like, right, fuck this. Just took one for the team. Basically, put his hand between his ass cheeks, um, gave it a good old rub against his, 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 his ring piece, and then just went over and introduced himself to Dean Gaffney. And shook his hand, gave us all a good big smile as Dean Gaffney is shaking his bumholy hand. Um, had a little chat of him, said he was a big fan of his work, so on and so forth, and then went about his went about his evening. Obviously, he washed his own hand, but he was happy knowing that Dean Gaffney had shaked his 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 bumhole essentially. So your your clubbing life sounds very disturbed. The fact that you <laughs> you, you you used to go out, uh, just picturing you in Oceania, like sat there bopping away to some. Yoro trash. Imagine my, my Ted Blue Baker on. That's it, Blue WK. No, it was actually VK we had. Oh, in is our, it VK? Those yeah. metallic blue bottles. That's the one, yeah. Metallic, Drink, metallic VK and Apple. Drinking out of a straw with too much uh, too much gel in your hair. Straw pedo, mate. Straw pedo it. I've never heard that term in my life. Flicked Basically, you know, when you, when you put the straw in a, in a thing, you, you leave it out the side and you can just down it because the air goes out the straw and then, yeah, they, never mind, that's... My misspent youth. No, up here we just drink pints. To be honest, not no bottled VKs uh, or anything like that. Pound a bottle, mate. It was like pound a bottle or four pounds a pint. You, you got to. We used to go times. Uh, we used to go uh, after college. There's a a bar called. Um, I'm not actually going to name it now because I'm about what I'm about to say. For it, but there's a pub in Leeds that used to sell two pound pints that used to be like locally brewed things the reason i'm not going to say anything about the name <laughs> of it is because it's the most bmp pub you're ever gonna like oh, you, see you must well. have had a wild time in there then mate exactly this is why we kept going back because we found it <laughs> fucking hilarious it just because I, I i've explained to you before but I, all my friends are either white or black i'm, I'm pretty much the only asiany one there or, or brown one looking there and um we used to go because you know Two pound pints. We used to sit upstairs because the entire place, like three floors of it, is decked out like someone's front room, and like there's photos of Churchill on the wall. And oh, like, as soon as I walked hell. in, looking like me, they used to just give me like a bright, great look. I was like, all right, I'm can I have one of them, please. And then we'd all just used to go upstairs and sit there for like a good three, four hours, like after college, just because it was cheap as chips. But uh, yeah, it's uh, cheap things up here are, are all right. I mean, some places. I mean, when I buy a pint and you only get, like, change back from a fiver, it's, like, not even a quid back from a fiver. It hurts me out. I mean, that's half the reason why I can't ever leave, because if you go to London where it costs, like, £8 for a pint, I'm going to... It's horrible, mate. I'm going to, like, chin somebody. That's the thing, is, like, when I visit my northern family, and I'm up there, and you you, you sort of, you, you get a few drinks in, and it costs, like six quid for three pints or something you just think what what is this what is this magical land i've walked into it's like, god's own country is where you've come from oh yes I, I do like it up there um that was that was a bit of a blue remembered hills moment there but anyway <laughs> um so yeah well you haven't watched the missing and i haven't watched homeland yet so there's not a lot to talk about with television can, um can we talk about how good taylor swift's album is uh, have have you done your plan? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allude to what the oh, plan no, is unless I haven't, it's, you didn't do I it. Haven't, your article was time. your article was fucking stunning though. I've got to say, the, uh, that I'll was tell you what, that I was really an, an imaginative. 
That was a fucking imaginative piece of journalism. That <laughs> like that was that was superb. If I tell you that the story behind it is, I'd wrote, written this article about the African Cup of Nations, like a quite a serious article going into like the political problems with uh, with Equatorial Guinea and whatnot, and how you, you should still be watching the tournament because people still to this day, if you like, you ask some people about the African Cup of Nations, they just see it as a burden on their club that their their African players are being taken from them for a month where they're going to play in this tournament where the goalkeepers aren't any good, there's no skill because all the players are athletic and, you know, none of them can play in the winter because that's the sort of attitude it's born from. And I wrote an article just saying that's all nonsense and you should be trying to watch as much of it as you can because it's, it's phenomenal because it's so much fun and they all go all out to try and win this tournament. It's really enjoyable to watch and because you're a, a neutral as well then it's much like the world cup in that it's just a completely joyous occasion um but i then i realized that the the website i was going to submit that to is premier league focused so i'd spent my time writing something that just wasn't going to fit so i'd like i had a few hours left and i thought oh, i'm gonna write here and uh i've started writing like two or three paragraphs into quite an earnest in-depth statistical tactical analysis of how Mourinho's doing at chelsea <laughs> and i was listening to i was still listening to the taylor swift album because i genuinely do quite enjoy it. it's very good it's really good pop music I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that whatsoever it's it's very good um you've got to open your horizons at some point and actually accept that these things you know you can't look down you know at these things it's not like rihanna where she's got 30 people in a room and she's recording it in hotel rooms hey don't like just, a don't just riri no fuck riri she's shit um taylor swift actually like sits and writes and helps produce all her own music so it's i don't find that abhorrent at all i actually quite like it um, so I was listening to that and but doesn't Jesse J also do that and she's uh, yeah but she's shy she tries to hit every single note that's ever existed in every <laughs> song she's ever sings which really winds me up I mean if you're not if you're not Beyonce then you should not be attempting more than two or three key changes within one song but um, this this idea pops into my head for some reason as I'm halfway through this article of comparing the philosophy of Taylor Swift between her last record red and 1989 to Jose Mourinho and his two seasons at Chelsea <laughs> and to be honest I just did it because I found it funny and I had a bit of a laugh with it and just sort of ran with it I mean I've not searched for it but I imagine there's some people that must have taken it at face value and been very annoyed with it um I've not yet had a look I'm I'm quite looking forward to seeing if anybody has taken badly to it but uh, it was just a piss take really and uh, I mean the fact that I'd managed to stretch that analogy out for as many words as I had was quite an achievement I thought and I had quite a lot of fun writing it and the people who've read it and quite I think the people who know the sort of things that I speak about and know and and see have sort of taken it in the manner in which it was intended and have have bought into it and found it quite amusing whereas uh, like I say if anyone's just sort of read it and seen the title and uh, seen like the tweet I put out last night about oh, people usually compare Jose Mourinho to Bella Gutman but his mm-hmm. actual philosophical contemporary is Taylor Swift because I was just hamming it up they, I imagine somebody's going to have got annoyed and I, I really genuinely hope they have done because that was that was that was some of the intention behind that to be honest not to not to be too daily mail about it but it was the intention to, to piss people <laughs> off there we go you hit whore yeah, um, I guess that's that's it for a week. We've probably rabbited on for our scheduled four hours that we give you guys every week. So uh, 
hope you've enjoyed the show um you should do because we do I do I don't think Raj does Raj hates me now um not now I've always hated you this is just a that's true I've made a promise to you that I'll speak to you on a weekly basis, but other than that, I refuse to come to communicate with you at any other point. And that is, he's not lying either. You'll see his phone; it's full of full of texts from me that generally aren't aren't replied to unless he wants <laughs> unless he wants some throwaway content for the uh, for the Rule the Roost Twitter account, which you can find at RTRSSM, and you can also listen to all the previous episodes of the podcast. On iTunes or at SpursStatman.com, which is headed by the boss, JP, who can be found at SpursStatman. Um, yeah, let's win the league. Come on, you Spurs. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.